0: This is about you,
1: the infinite you, the part of you that can't be seen, can't be smelled, touched, or tasted, but you know you feel it, who you really are. In a world lost to confusion, a universe that's partly illusion, when we look for meaning, we often simply find more delusion. Ground your consciousness in the sounds of the universe, a podcast about your true omnipotence. There's a universe inside each of us, but our beliefs keep us constrained to the edges of what we can imagine. The Universe podcast is your portal to that infinite realm of ideas. I'm Chance Garden, and I'll be your host as we serve up inspirational sound waves from the brightest minds with the highest vibes. And we keep searching for the empowering perspectives we need to create our greatest masterpiece of all our lives. What's up, Tribe? Welcome to the One Within All to the Innerverse podcast, your portal to the pleroma of infinite possibilities we call the imagination. I'm your host, Chance, and I've got an intense and knowledge-packed show for you today. Although I know all the good folks out there listening are seeking their own path to personal harmony, I think we can all agree there are some major stumbling blocks in our society that seem to limit the health and wellness we can achieve. From toxic food and water to the terrible trend of worldwide warfare of these last many decades, it is clear to those who pay attention that not all of these things are simply the outcome of basic human nature. It falls on us to recognize the flaws in our thinking and behavior so we can individually return to full creative sovereignty, and learning about the world's anti-evolutionary control system and its heartlessness can help us find ways to fight back the darkness with the light of our own hearts. It may be a dirty word to some, but there are such things as conspiracies, and theorizing about them definitely does not automatically make you a crazy person, even if some of your friends and family might insist. And today's guest has put much more work in than the average person to marshal the facts and point out the witnesses to the many parts of our world that are out of balance. Back for a fourth round of Interverse Action is your friend and mine, the human known online as Urasol, Choosing to go by this moniker on the internet to remind us all that beyond our names and identities, we're all souls together in this human experience. In our previous talks with Soul, we've discussed emotional healing, heart-centered living, animal rights, UFOs, his social media channel Eureka, social media censorship and alternatives, and so many other things it would take way too long to list. This time around, we're going to be examining an article series EuroSoul has put together on a Steemit.com blog over the last few years called The Whistleblowers, and we'll be talking about specific people and their stories and information on a variety of problematic topics. You can find the link to Euro's blog in the notes or go to Steemit.com forward slash at euro soul and you can also join his free speech oriented social network, Eureka.org, U-R-E-K-A.org, a beautifully built network blessed with the highest of intentions and best of functionalities that a social media site can offer. It pretty much blends the good stuff about all the mainstream platforms into one and allows you to do everything that you want without being advertised to by giant corporations or having your information stolen, sold, censored, or anything else that you didn't sign up for. (laughs) So go check out Eureka.org. Please, guys, I'd love to see you on there. And as we go forward today, don't be discouraged by the seemingly negative subject matter, because creating this type of content is not just for the sake of indulging in fear porn or doomsday it's actually a major form of self-empowerment to become equipped with more knowledge. As G.I. Joe said back in the cartoon days, knowing is half the battle. And I'll personally say that the other half of the fight isn't a violent upheaval or overthrow of the power structure. The solutions are as simple as stopping certain heartless behaviors in ourselves and learning about our own unlimited power to always choose for ourselves, heal ourselves and know things for ourselves. So as we cover these various topics, remember that you can find links to each of the articles we discuss, and don't take our word for anything. Go check out the references and videos that are in the Whistleblower series so that you can explore on your own, or go find even more alternative information, not even in these articles. The goal is to get you asking these questions of yourself, not to just listen to us dogmatically. So with this overview, focus on shifting our awareness towards the things that we don't want happening and blocking that using our intentionality, because as infinite and supreme creative consciousness, if we bring our awareness to these events in our own mind, we can influence them with our thoughts, words, and actions, and we can alter the timeline we're running on and realign with our primary life's purpose and path. But we've got a lot of material to cover, and we probably won't fit it all into one episode, so we better get started. I, for one, would love to make this an ongoing series, and I bet you we will because I would like to bolster my own knowledge on all of this and more and keep up with new developments. So, And also, one more time, I'll remind you that you can get the extended two-hour version of this podcast by signing up for Interverse Plus from my website www.interversepodcast.com or you can go to the link in the show notes or go to patreon.com forward slash interverse a small five dollar monthly donation keeps the podcast growing and gives you twice as much inspirational info to intake and you plus members out there know who you are and you have my eternal gratitude now it's time to blow the lid off these outright crazy conspiracies with the whistleblowers and you're a soul Thanks for coming back on, my friend, and welcome to the Interverse.
0: Hey, thanks for having me back. Yeah, this is going to be a pretty deep trip down into some unusual subjects. So I'm really uh, really going to be interested to see what your audience has to say. I hope that some of them are familiar with some of these subjects already, but uh, there's definitely going to be some unusual things for most people.
1: Yeah, uh, (laughs) there's so many branches of this uh, octopus or whatever you'd call it. I'm curious, uh, what do you consider spiritual about conspiracy research because i think you're like me and you do see it as spiritual work
0: most questions people ask me that might seem simple can sometimes take me 20 minutes to answer but mainly for example when people ask me about spiritual things i like to remind them that we're all spirits so basically you know everything's spiritual in that sense you can't really not be spiritual (laughs) but but how do i how do i why do i value conspiracy research basically is because I mean, it, it's a practical thing for me. You know, I've gone out into the world. I've, I've worked in various industries. I've connected with large numbers of different people for completely different reasons, different industries completely, and I've seen lots of different things happening, which most people don't know about, which are basically criminal and that are at the heart of large organizations. And and also, obviously, also my interactions with, you know, UFOs and things like that, which all of these different things have shown me that the version of reality that I'm fed through mainstream media and even what most people think is true, basically is not true. And it means that if I want to create a a path in my life that helps the world and helps, even just helps myself, even if I'm being completely selfish, if I just want to help myself, I have to actually know what's going on in in real life. I can't just be living in delusion and, and thinking X is happening when it's not. Even if it's just a business agreement, you know, should I go into business with this group of people? You know, I need to know what's really happening. And so it's really important. Whistleblowers really perform one of the most important roles in society because they give us insights into the reality of organizations, presuming that they're telling the truth anyway. And without them, really, our knowledge of a great deal of crimes that have been committed against us would be almost nothing, probably. So when I look into conspiracies, I'm not thinking, oh, everyone's out to get me or you know, humans are such assholes or whatever it is that people might conclude, I'm basically thinking practically, how do I plan the next steps in my life? Should I do this? Should I do that? Right, okay, now I can get an accurate map of what's happening in the world. And from there, then maybe I can do things to improve the situation and spread information and help other people. We can solve these problems as well, which is the ultimate goal. But obviously, it's a longer term thing. And it's very challenging to do that sometimes.
1: I think a big part of this entire situation is the compartmentalization of the different aspects of what you could call the one big conspiracy that seems to be going on, which is just against life itself, more or less. So with the whistleblowers, you usually get these people that are actually able to glimpse into more than one compartment at once, and that's what makes them decide to become a whistleblower. Otherwise, you just have people that are doing their job and following orders, and they don't even get enough of the informational pie to make a judgment call about what it is they're doing. And they're like, uh, I need this paycheck for my family, so I'm going to keep it going. And I think that's one of the big parts of the world conspiracy that gets lost on people. They say, it would take so many people involved to pull this off, but you'd be surprised what people will put aside and remain ignorant of for a reliable paycheck. And that's an unfortunate reality of the conditioning that many of us have been subjected to. And I'm, I'm not sure if I'm right about this, but I think you might be wanting to kick off with talking about some of the situations in the pharmaceutical medical world. Yeah. And this is a perfect example of that because many of these people in these industries justify what they're doing um, in various ways. But if they were really paying attention, they would know that the things that they're pushing, especially with the hardcore pharmaceuticals are way out of balance so uh do you have a whistleblower or a uh, topic to start off with there
0: yeah i mean the 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 topic of uh compartmentalization is absolutely how this how so many crimes and problems are perpetuated and that's another reason why it's so important important to listen to whistleblowers because they actually allow the other people in their industry to see such a big slice of the piece of the puzzle that they wouldn't normally see by, blow, by blowing open their side of things and then often they then get to meet other whistleblowers and then it just expands and expands and the first post that i would highlight uh, which is actually the first one i ever made in the series on steemit is on this exact subject with pharmaceutical executives and i just rewatched the video earlier on and there's actually uh, there's a few things in here but there's one video which would be great for people to watch, which isn't too long. It's about 20 minutes long. It has three individuals in it. One of them was a sales rep for a large pharmaceutical company who was also a trained lawyer. And he openly just says, basically, yeah, we used to pay doctors all day long with whatever they wanted, cocaine, prostitutes, whiskey, everything you can think of, trips to the Caribbean to get them to give their patients our drugs uh, ahead of any other manufacturer's drugs. And there's also people in there who... Um, there's two other people. One of them is a... Um, like a quite, I would say, well-qualified, epidemiologically trained, science-minded person who was actually working there to develop research and so on in that industry. He also basically concluded the same kind of thing. All three of these people say exactly the same thing, and they're really not pulling any punches. They're literally saying, you know, this industry is as corrupt as it could literally be, and basically they commit crimes on a daily basis all day long. So, I mean, yeah, that's quite an eye-opener to... It would be really good for people that are listening to us talk on this for them to actually take some time to kind of look at these videos because some of them aren't very long. And, you know, hearing somebody talk about it is one thing, but when you actually see these people and hear their voices and, and get a sense of who they are, you realise that they're not messing around. And In this case, there's a lawyer who opens it up on this video. It's from, from a Nut news video, I think, from a few years ago. And he is a lawyer, basically, who who, who won his case. It was like a $500 million case or something like that against the drug company within the US. And he then went and started up a, a practice where he was finding other whistleblowers from the industry to also do the same thing, and bringing lots of court cases. And yeah, from his perspective, he was he was a salesperson. And I don't know a huge amount about him, but, you know, he's a lawyer and a salesperson. So he's in that sort of psychological state of basically misleading people all day long is how I would look at it. You know, that's the general purpose of those, those sort of jobs. But, you know, I would hope that he wasn't misleading people here and, it, you know, what he was saying was actually true. It does seem to be based on so many other whistleblowers saying the same thing and so many other avenues of research. But but yeah, his, his justification, I don't know if he really does justify. He just seems to be saying, well, it was a job and I was really good at it and I got paid loads of money, just like you were saying. And But eventually, you know, it was—he it got too much, I think, for him. And, and I think that's the case with a lot of these people. They start raising issues. I think, if I remember correctly, he raised an issue and then got sacked basically because of it. And that seems to be what most whistleblowers do is that they try to raise something with their employer and the employer kind of goes, fobs them off or lies or says, oh, I mean, I've got a book here. Um, i forgot the name of it now, but it's by uh, Dr. Peter Roast, who was also a famous whistleblower, who worked for a big pharmaceutical company that got bought out by an American group. It's a very long story, but he basically was, he ended up working for this company in, and sort of was sidelined in this quiet office. He had no work to do. He was the director of, marketing for this massive corporation and once he started exposing their crimes they basically just put him off in this room uh, and gave him no work to do for like a number of years, he was just sat there, literally nothing no no secretary, no one came to talk to him ever but he was still getting paid because if they sacked him they'd break the whistleblower law so he was like, you know, they, they obviously knew they were breaking all these laws but you know, they, they were stuck, you know, they was either probably, presumably, either kill him or just have him in this office doing nothing. And so, yeah, <laughs> these, these, they have methods of dealing with whistleblowers, and, and, and these people, when they try to tell the truth, usually come up against quite a, a well-prepared castle wall, if you like, to protect the, the bosses. And um, I guess there's only so much they can do, and, and if the government doesn't really support them, then... You know, in a lot of cases, they're stuck really, um, and I think that it's uh, lucky. It's one of the reasons why I would open with this post is because this guy actually is a lawyer, so he was able to stand up for himself and really seems to achieve quite a lot. Even though most people have never heard of him, and and that's really part of the problem is that you know the mainstream media, as we know, is totally controlled, and anyone who exposes. Contradicts their narrative is not going to get coverage, basically. So not only do these whistleblowers expose the, the corporate lies and crimes, but they also expose the lies and mistakes at best of the news reporters and, and so on. So yeah, I mean, we collectively, this is one of the reasons why I focus on whistleblowers, because often there's court cases, often this stuff is actually proven. It's not a theory. It's actually, you know, as best as we can, it's proven. So that therefore means if you aren't hearing about it, then you know, There's a reason for that, and you need to realise that the people who aren't telling you about it are hiding it from you, basically. That's how I see it. If I can find out about it, and 100,000 other people online or 10,000 other people find out about it, then a reporter can definitely find out about it. So, yeah, this should be front-page news. All of this stuff should be front-page news, but it never has been. And again, that's another reason why I like looking into conspiracies and whistleblowers and stuff, especially whistleblowing stuff, because it really drills home just how controlled the media is. In the sense that anybody who looks at this with a, even a half open mind would realize that these subjects in general are more important than most of the stories we hear in the news. And they're proven most of the time. And they're by, you know, serious, quali- seriously qualified professional people often, the kind of people that, you know, the average person can't even argue with because they're, they're not, they don't even know that field. And here they are telling you, yeah, this crime happened, that crime happened, here's the evidence, blah, blah, blah. blah. So yeah, it's really, I, this is one of the reasons I put so much time into this because I realise that very few people are actually doing that. that. you know, People occasionally hear one whistleblower here, one whistleblower there, but I was like, well, if I'm trying to prove things to people and I can't do it using science, then at least I can get these witnesses who are substantial in their testimony and just collect them together and show them to people. And, and hopefully the people can then relate back to their own lives and realise how what they're saying might fit in with their own experiences. There's there's a couple of other medical posts in my series as well. I think I've put them in order here. Yeah. So the next one, I don't have those people's names actually, but uh, we'll we'll put those in the. I don't think they named two of the people. Actually, one of them was anonymous, but they're not well known people. But but we can put their their names in the post. But the next one is Gwen Olson, and she actually went around doing tours and speeches and trying to tell everyone basically what she experienced. And another person that I've never ever heard of outside of. Um, Outside of my own research, basically, if it wasn't for me looking for this stuff, I never would have heard her name anywhere, even in you know alternative sort of sources. And yet, you know, she put a lot of time into trying to tell the world about what happened to her. So I'll just read the sort of introductory paragraph in my post here. It says, ex-pharmaceutical sales rep Gwen Olson's niece became addicted to prescription painkillers following a car crash after being taken to hospital due to additionally taking a stimulant drug. She was wrongfully diagnosed with a mental disorder and prescribed yet more heavy drugs. She was forced into a mental hospital against her will and eventually committed suicide. So it's literally, you know, a young girl basically who has had a car accident through the mishandling of the of the health system eventually is killed, literally through being messed up by the drugs she's given. And her aunt was this lady, Gwen, who actually was a rep for a pharmaceutical company and you know, one is one of the top performing sales agents of that of that company. And she was like, right, well, you know, obviously it's a big thing in her life and she couldn't couldn't just avoid that and just carry on selling drugs. So she sort of became a whistleblower, wrote a book called Confessions of an RX Drug Pusher, and basically went around giving these presentations, exposing the crimes and lies of the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah, and again, this is somebody who, you know, if the world heard her story, then things would probably change quite quickly. You know, although we, we comment how unconscious a lot of people are and, and how, you know, sleepy and uninterested people are, ultimately, it's not necessarily because they are just that way. It's because they actually believe what they're told through mainstream media and these sources and, and education systems. So they think that there's nothing to wake up to. If you sort of I mean it's, it, it, you know, it's kind of like you have fallen asleep with an eye mask on. Well, the sounds like, how What are you talking about? I don't need to wake up. And that, that's kind of how I, that's kind of how I see it. So, but yeah, if we could, if if these people definitely could hear more people like Gwen, then you know we would have a lot more powerful debates and useful conversations. So it's unfortunate. I saw a news story yesterday of how Facebook has been pressured by various different groups to take steps to artificially limit the reach of anti-vaccination posts on Facebook. So that I mean their response has been basically they're saying that they will make it very difficult for people to find the groups to talk about this stuff. They're not going to ban the groups, but they're literally not going to promote them and you know you won't ever see the group unless you really basically know someone who's already in it. So, you know, bearing in mind that Google and Facebook carry sixty-six percent of the traffic, I think roughly on the internet. It only takes the two of them, pretty much, to agree to block out a subject or make it very difficult for people to find it, and you know that's dramatically reduced yet again the ability for people to find counter narratives to things and and stifle, st- basically, stifles free speech. And yeah, I mean, people might think that what some of these people are saying is wrong, and in many cases, claims about vaccines are wrong. I know they are. Pro and anti-vaccine claims are often wrong, but that doesn't mean to say you should hide it. You know, it means that, as, as other people have pointed out, this is a reason to help people learn how to do research. It's not a reason to, to shut down conversation. So, yeah, again, this is somebody who, who I really think people should listen to. And, you know, I don't think we have time really to go into all the things she's talking about. But, again, it's along the lines of uh, – here's some examples from, from, from the other video because I watched it earlier on. The, the, the epidemiologist research guy was saying that, for example, drug companies, when they produce a drug, it has a long list of effects They call some of them side effects because they say, you know, these are the ones that we don't really want people to We can't market those, basically. They're not a good thing, necessarily. So we'll call them side effects, and you may get them, you may not. But the ones that we want you to, you know, buy the product or use the product to try to achieve, they're the real effects of it, according to us. But he was saying that some drugs have multiple effects and some of them can be marketed in different ways. And he gives the example of of a a drug used to treat the eyes. Which also has the effect of growing longer eyelashes. And he's saying that, you know, in one version of the drug it will be the same drug, but they'll they'll give it one name and sell it for the eye treatment, and then they'll give it another name and sell it for eyelashes. And, you know, it's like, yeah, well maybe your eyesight will improve, maybe your eyelashes will get longer, who knows? But you know, <laughs> maybe you don't want longer eyelashes. But but the point is they're they're basically saying that there's a reason for that, and that's it costs so much money to patent these drugs and get them through processes to get the government to approve them that they want to use every possible angle they can on them to get the, the money back basically for, for doing all of that. And if it means kind of basically misrepresenting what the drug does in order to sell more, then for them they're gonna do it. That's basically what it comes down to. I would say it goes beyond that and they're just greedy, but you know, ultimately that's how they how he explained it. Um so there's all kinds of twists and turns that they get up to which you know the average person if if they found out that this was going on, it would give them a very different Angle on the industry and what they see when they go into a chemist or a pharmacist and see all these walls of pills, they might suddenly start to realize, oh, actually, this isn't this like high tech leading edge thing that's the best that humanity can achieve for my health. It's actually this complex corporate product line that actually is quite exploitative. Yeah. So who knows how many people have died as a result of, of these practices? And you know, the, the list of practices are long. As I said, ranging from literally sending prostitutes to doctors to get them to prescribe certain pills that are expensive, through to totally misleading the world about what the pills do, shelving scientific studies that don't agree with what they want to say. You know, it's you know <laughs> literally the worst really they could get other than just putting poisons in there deliberately to kill you, basically. And and even that's happened apparently as well, but you know. <laughs> Well, there's a reason why they don't go quite that
1: to that extreme, right? (laughs) The pattern is, going back to Gwen Olson for a second, the pattern seems to be a person gets an injury, then they're prescribed an addictive painkiller, then they have side effects, usually mental side effects, because our mind is connected to our body. And if our body's being chemically thrown out of whack, then of course, we start developing mental problems due to that. And then so they prescribe more heavy drugs, and then death usually is how that follows. But- there's a long period between each of these uh, progressions in this process because it's it seems clear there's no money in well people and there's no money in dead people. The money's right in the middle. And that was in a meme or something that you posted with that first Whistleblowers article where there's also a picture of a doctor who had kept every pin he'd been given by a pharmaceutical rep in his career and he had literally like a mountain of (laughs) pens so the doctors are definitely being bribed and I will just also say the compartmentalization is a huge factor in just the doctor's ability to care for their patients even if they want to like I've witnessed my grandmother in in the hospital a lot recently and she has been bouncing from one hospital to another because no doctor can agree on What cocktail of various drugs to give her to make her well? And it seems obvious to me that the drugs are what are making her less well altogether. And if she wasn't in the hospital and she had caring family members to just help her get physical exercise and the proper type of nutrition, she'd probably start recovering pretty much on her own. And instead, everybody's too busy with their jobs and their distractions to actually ever even consider providing that care. We hire the specialist to do it, which in and of itself is crazy because you're literally hiring somebody and paying them money because you're sick. Whereas in the past, you would have maybe a family doctor that would come visit you monthly and you wouldn't pay him unless everyone was well. So do you see the inversion here? We're literally profiting off of sickness instead of profiting off of healing, which is actually possible. It's possible to be a healer that also receives compensation. And and that's natural, really. But this whole system is definitely far from natural. I think maybe we could segue to how the media operates in this campaign, because I don't watch TV anymore. But when I do see a TV on somewhere out in the world, I'm always blown away by the pharmaceutical drug commercials themselves. They've been even more and more ridiculous than I recall them when I was a kid, (laughs) especially when they get to the end and list all the side effects. But what they're doing is hypnotizing people into believing that these drugs are a lifestyle, uh, not a, a lifestyle improvement, not a actual toxic, strange chemical that they're putting into their body. I mean, you'll see the narratives and stories that are on these commercials are like showing somebody doing all these ideal idealized activities right and all stuff that has nothing to do with whether or not you're on that drug and everything to do with just who you are and what you decide to do with your your life and all this all the while the televisions are at the 60 hertz refresh rate which has been scientifically proven to induce hypnosis in humans so you're literally being hypnotized when you're watching these commercials and I know it's hypnotic because I don't like to watch TV Programs, especially, but when there's TVs on in my environment, I keep my head just keeps drawing back towards it, and it's really bizarre. Even though I'm like, I don't want to watch that. Pay attention to who I'm with, but then I'll notice my eyes just lo- lolling back over towards the the screen. It's very bizarre. So, anyway, you have an article about Doctor Udo Wolfcott, a German journalist that had come out about CIA bribery and training of media personnel, both in the United States and abroad, to control various narratives, especially promoting war mentality. Do you think we could segue to that?
0: Sure, yeah. I mean, ultimately, a lot of this does come down to mind control of one form or another, whether it's to make people rich or to stop you identifying them as criminals or... Wherever it is, there's someone somewhere wanting as many people as possible to think differently. That's really what it is. Certainly, obviously, within the media, that, that comes down to But even with the drug industry that we were just talking about as well, uh, I mean, if you through watching those, I mean, we don't really have crazy TV adverts like that in Britain. I think it's more of an... It for some reason, we have rules that are different, I guess, than in America. But I have seen them in America. Uh, and I, I mean, I would say they're, they're basically trying to sell you the idea that you can't heal yourself. And, you know, and that then means that you feel pressured and you feel kind of unnaturally terrified all the time because it's like you, you could be threatened by any illness, at any moment, and there's nothing you can do unless you can find somebody who magically has the ability to help you. And they always seem to charge a lot of money. So basically you have to really work really hard just to stand a chance of being alive, let alone thriving. So that means you don't have time to then go and research health. You don't have time to actually find out the answers to these things, get healthy, and then eventually, inevitably, you get out as a result of working too hard. So it's like this sort of self-reinforcing poison, basically, that, that, that in the form of belief systems that people have, which these adverts and, and marketers and the system in general reinforces. And I think when I listen to politics, political people talking about these things who clearly don't... Either they don't know what they're talking about or they are involved in a conspiracy, it's hard to say sometimes, but you know, they often they talk reinforcing these narratives and and they and they will ridicule anybody who sort of suggests that alternatives are possible. And partially, I think it's because they're trying to cover something up sometimes. And partially, it's just because they don't want to be seen to be wrong, ultimately. So, you know, it's like, well, these people who are trying to contradict me. Obviously, they either don't exist or they're not right because I'm right. And you better get used to that. Um, you know, I wouldn't be in this position in government if I wasn't right, obviously. So keep voting, keep sending me money. But <laughs> Udo Ulfkater, yeah. Um, so he was interviewed by RT News and uh, I believe, possibly wrote a book. I'm not sure now. It's been a while since I his He
1: house, had a but... book published posthumously, actually. Yeah, he had a mysterious death of a heart attack at 56 with no previous health complications. And then his book came out a, a few months later.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, so he basically was interviewed and he said he was, was the editor, I think, of the second biggest newspaper in Germany. I'm not gonna try and pronounce it, but basically he, he was a professor and yeah, very much in the media industry of the top levels in Germany. And he basically came out and said, Look, I think the world is being led towards a kind of World War Three situation. Germany's right in the middle of it. And I don't like that, especially with our history. I don't wanna be part of causing that to happen. You know, there's lots of conflict being drummed up with Russia and all these different countries around Germany. And basically he, he was like, Well, you know, I've lived a lot of my life and I have to tell the world the truth now, which is that basically for my entire career I've been paid by the CIA to mislead the world and to give out fake news, basically, in the the failures the US and, and kind of Western type, presumably Anglo-Saxon type countries. And it's not just me, it's basically everyone in the media industry is also that I know of at all levels, are reporters and people above basically are in the pay of the CIA. And they don't necessarily always see it as this nefarious plot they often just see it as a kind of you know you're supporting the team kind of thing i think but at the same time they know that they're lying sometimes and so he came out and openly said this and really went into quite a bit of detail explaining you can see he was visibly shaken and upset about what was going on and probably a bit scared but you know it was like i think he was more scared of what would happen if he said nothing than what would happen if he said something um so he, he did and people could pick it apart and say, well, he was on RT and RT is Russian news. But as you say, the boot release. And I don't really see how he gained anything as a result of, of, of making those claims. You know, I'm sure it didn't improve his chances of getting employed. And, you know, and ultimately, as you said, he had a heart attack not long afterwards. And, you know, as people who have studied these things will know, the CIA, even in the 1960s, had what they called a, a heart attack gun. And it was admitted in, I think it was the Church Commission. Or, whatever it's called, one of those um, congressional hearings. Uh, you can see the video of it. They literally say, Do you have technology to create heart attacks in people? And they put out a gun and it's like, Yeah, we do. And that was in the 1960s, undetectable, tiny little pellet would go in and then dissolve. So, yeah, it's definitely possible. And through microwave technology, apparently, as well, which we'll get onto in one of the other whistleblowers, definitely possible for them to induce a heart attack in him. You know, I can't say whether they did or they didn't, but it does seem. A bit of a coincidence, let's say, that he comes out and gives one of the most damning whistleblower testimonies, which still most people have never even heard, of the media industry and the government, and then suddenly he's dead. So yeah, another one, definitely, that more people should listen to, especially if they are of the persuasion that says the mainstream media is is uh, honest, and most of the time, and the, the stories they hear about the American government are true, and you know we should... We should just, you know, get on board and go and kill as many people as possible that they say, uh, because they're probably right, uh, which is fortunately
1: what a fair percentage of people and seem to think. I see happening in the United States right now, something you might not be quite witness to because you're over in the UK, is with this whole President Trump thing, the media has, most people have come to the realization that the media is incorrect, biased, that It's a dialectic. Some people realize it's a dialectic. At the very least, they see at least some of the media as being corrupt. Sometimes they think that their side is right. And so the media that promotes their side is uncorrupt. But either way, the idea has been planted in people's minds that the media is not always actually fair and balanced news, which is good. But now what we see with the Trump presidency is a media that's attacking and promoting uh, promoting attacks against this president heavily, and I see it as like a way to try to gain their credibility back because everyone can see that he's like a, you know, fairly psychopathic and definitely egotistically driven. And so by at least some of the percentage of the population seeing on the media that they're they're going after this guy. They're gonna, they're really showing him to be the the dirtbag he is or whatever. Then at least some small percentage of the people are now right back on the bandwagon of being invested in the news and actually believing what it is that they're seeing. I think it's kind of like a last ditch attempt to salvage the operation because from my perspective here, it's completely the house of cards is falling apart pretty quickly with mainstream media. And that's why we're seeing so much heavy censorship of alternative media on the mainstream platforms. I mean, they're just trying to make YouTube into the next CNN you know, or whatever, uh, cable delivery system. And I mean, you see this in YouTube big time, weird stuff like unbalanced reporting on issues that's clearly corporately driven. Like uh, my YouTube feed is full of all these videos of people claiming to be ex-vegans who claim to almost have died from being a vegan and why you should never do it and being a vegan is terrible. And while they're at it, they never once admit to any type of emotional compromising feelings that have come about because they were vegan, now they're not, and they regret that they're forced to eat animals because they were dying. No, it's very cold and callous, and there's no no emotional connection to what they're doing at all. And to me, it seems like they're probably, a lot of them are just being paid by Tyson Chicken or McDonald's or whatever, because those are all the biggest advertisers on YouTube besides the drug companies. So the CIA connection, though, is the most interesting thing. And I think we could say more about how that actually operates, how these uh, guys like Dr. Olfcott are unofficial sources, I guess you could call them. I can't remember the exact phrase he used, like unofficial plant, something like that, in that they will not be claimed as a CIA resource if they do come out and blow the whistle or get caught in a lie or something like that. But they're still being fed things like bribes and given trips to the United States if they're overseas correspondents and being shown a good time and all sorts of stuff like that because they they know that they'll keep getting the good perks if they keep telling the stories that they're handed and they don't step out of line. It's very similar to what's going on with the doctors. The bribery and the corruption is definitely through the, the greed channel. It seems to be the greed is a big part of all of it.
0: I think underlying all of it is it comes back to what we've talked about in other sessions, which is a lack of empowerment in the average person, basically. As soon as, uh, basically everyone really, but as long as you don't have the power to con, well, I don't like the word control to guide your own life and actually solve your own problems, then you're dependent on other people to do that. And that's where, you know, that's where all this stuff allows a doorway into your life for these people to to influence you in ways that other people want to happen, and it may be that you have a good relationship with a doctor, but they're heavily targeted by lots of nefarious people, and eventually the trickery gets the better of them, and ultimately it's their lack of self empowerment that allows them to be controlled in that way, and then it knocks on to you. So this is all this whole mesh network of of heartlessness ultimately that's that's feeding into itself, and you have to realise you you've been born into that and it's everywhere all around you like like the matrix literally but it's you know it's a heartless matrix and a heartless network of ideas and light intentions which aren't balanced and which don't have your best interests at heart because they don't have a heart and the heart isn't involved so yeah i mean it's as you say with the the people this alleged ex-vegans and people like that you know i'm a, I'm a member of various vegan groups and even I sometimes, was, for a while, was going to be upset seeing the sort of almost militant angle of some of the vegans in there, basically kind of attacking people for, you know, why, why are you becoming a vegan? Not for the animals. You're doing it for health. That's, that's bullshit. And, and I was kind of like, well, that's ridiculous. You know, as long as you're a vegan, that's the important thing. But now I understand more of where they're coming from. It's because of the kind of videos you're talking about where people actually... Come out and make it, make veganism into something it's not, and and they never really were vegan in the first place. Basically, that's the point. V- veganism is basically largely about protecting animals. So if you you can't really not be a vegan once you've been a vegan, that's the thing. You you can you can say, well, I'm I'm finding it difficult, and I'd like to try and do more to achieve it. Uh, that, that to actually live my ideals. But but if you are a vegan at heart, then that should never change because it's like saying, well, you know, I, I once wanted to really protect children, but now I don't have a problem executing them. You know, it's kind of like that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't make any sense, you know, like that's a big shift. So that, you know, yeah, the the self-empowerment aspect, you should be coming from a grounded state where your intentions are based in reality. You understand why you're doing what you're doing and everything lines up and you have the puzzle pieces and your decisions work for you because and not just because you think they might work for you, but because you know and you feel deep inside of you that this is the direction you need to go in. And when you live like that, you have more power and you're less dependent on other people um, and you can see through other people's lives. And and that, yeah, and that's why I would say it's so important again to expose especially media corruption uh, and government corruption, because they influence schools, they influence the thinking of children who are very obviously looking for older people to tell them things. And if, if their sources of information are corrupt, then humanity has no hope, basically has no future at all. It's just going to flush itself down the toilet. Thankfully, you know, and the, and the numbers of people who see this and are realising and waking up are, as I would say, still increasing. And like you said, there's a, a lot, I mean, it's hard to know how organised the sort of fight back from these corrupt groups is in terms of do they actually realise exactly what's happening or are they just... You know, trying to do their best they can to keep you listening to them because that's what they get paid for. You know, there's so many people involved; it's hard to really. I can't really answer that, but I would say some of them definitely do know what's going on, and they definitely are trying to control you know people's evolution. Some of them are a bit less aware, I would say. But and moving on to the next post here, which kind of again, there's there's a journey through all of these posts, which which that started out on a level near the surface of life where people can relate to it. So pharmaceuticals, most people can relate to that. And gradually we're going deeper and deeper and deeper behind the kind of veil or behind the curtain of the establishment. And this next post is from a CIA whistleblower. Obviously, I'm not in the CIA. I can't prove to you that he actually was in the CIA. He looks apart. He says the right things. So I've got no reason to, to think that he's not. Who knows? But basically, he came he to talk. This is Kevin Ship. And he gave a, a talk, uh, and I think he's given a few other ones since then, but a very detailed one that i put in this post here, covering what he calls the shallow government and deep state. And, you know, if you go online and you listen to uh, Edward Snowden, amazingly, Edward Snowden, one of the biggest, well, best-known whistleblowers in history, perhaps, uh, I still meet people who've never heard of him. And it's just, I mean, it's just, I, I can't even understand how it's possible, but he is. Maybe it's just because I'm a tech guy and they're not, but... So, yeah, I mean, he's he's basically, I think the point of his talk here was to sort of expand on what Edward Snowden was talking about and fill in some of the gaps, because Edward Snowden comes from a background of being a technology guy within the so-called deep state, working for security, military intelligence corporations, contracting for the US government, uh, working for the NSA and so on. But when he talks about deep state and these terms, you know, to people who are in that world, that means something. And then to you and I, it means something completely different because we're not in that. We don't know really exactly what they're talking about. So in this talk, he tried to sort of fill in some of the gaps. And he lists off a whole slew of different government departments. I mean, I'm not in America, but I think probably most people in America have never even heard of them. I mean, I'm just reading off here, DNI. I mean, maybe some of these you'll really know about. But I mean, he says uh, acronym groups he identifies as being part of the shadow government. DNI, DHS, DOS, Department of Security, I guess it is. NRO, NGA, NSA is well known. JSOC says that's the president's secret army to carry out assassinations and other covert missions, JSOC. And he basically says the deep state is a web or network of corporate groups that interact within the shadow government. And the shadow government, I think, really is, is really the people that call the shots behind the fake kind of puppetry of politics that we see on the mainstream news. You know, the people who fund and organize getting these politicians into their seats in the first place, Who know? They don't, want to, they don't want the people to know who they are, they just want to sort of guide the world from behind the scenes. So, yeah, I mean, you can go online and type this kind of thing and you'll get millions of pages of people talking about all this stuff and lots of theories and lots of ideas and probably, you know, who knows, 50% of it's completely wrong because it's how would you know at the end of the day, unless you're actually there behind the scenes. just guessing up to a point but but this is a person who says that he has been there and he's, he's allegedly and giving you a huge amount of quite specific details as to what's going on and as we go into more of the whistleblowers we'll get more into more specific people who have got very specific experience who are well known in fact some of them known to be accredited they're not like shadowy cia cia people They're well-known people who you can look up the history and so on, and they're they're giving you really much more explosive information than even this guy is. So I've got personally no minimal reason to discount what he's saying, having seen and listened to some of the other stories. Um, But just to to give some brief details on what he's talking about here, he says there are now more than 10,000 secret sites run by the sort of deep state, which he, he lists the deep state as being military, industrial, type groups, intelligence contractors, defense contractors, Wall Street, central banks, foreign lobbyists such as Saudi Arabia, Federal Reserve and the Treasury. So it's basically the money making system and the weapons and fighting system and the government system of America and other countries, which really, if you think about it, is kind of a self-powering system. As long as it can, as long as it has access to the money, it can get people to do stuff and then it can direct them to go and fight and kill and, and take stuff for them. So it's like a really, it's just like an advanced street gang with lasers. You know, literally, really how, how you could think of it and with very, very complicated computers and technology. And,
1: and that's a whole other question is where that came from. <laughs> but all these different yeah, agencies you've got that you just listed and more that we don't even know about, that constitutes the compartmentalization thing, just to point that out again.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and we'll get into some of where the, the, the lasers came from specifically as well and how the compartmentalization fits into the world of science and how how you can have a hundred scientists working for a corporation who aren't allowed to talk to each other. And literally they're not. And and if they do, they get into trouble. And you know, one team will be working on one very specific problem and then you know that will get passed on to the next team who then works on another specific problem. So none of them actually find out enough about what they're working on to figure out what it's even going to be used for. And that's actually how it's done a lot of the times, how they develop very unusual technology and, and keep it very secret. And if you extrapolate that out to... You can use that in any industry, basically, as long as you've got some way of keeping people quiet, and whether that be through a non-disclosure agreement, through actual physical threats... There's lots of examples of people being physically, violently threatened, and their families threatened by these people. So yeah, I mean, again, this is why it's so important to talk about all this stuff. And think maybe there's thousands and thousands of scientists out there who, who have been involved in all these programs, who never suspected that what they got, you know, what their work was, was actually really a bad thing. And maybe if they hear some some of these other scientists spilling the beans, then suddenly they'll realise, oh, you know, shit, I need to. But that's not how I want to be remembered. You know, I need to actually do something about this and speak up about it myself. So, yeah, I mean, he says here there's 10,000 secret sites. These are my notes. I think that was him talking about U.S. military kind of or government facilities, basically, that the public aren't aware of. 1,271 government agencies and 1,931 large corporations involved with secrecy within the United States. At least 4.8 million Americans have security clearance. 854,000-plus have top-secret clearance, and many hundreds of thousands have signed secrecy agreements, which mean that they will be personally destroyed if they say anything about what they see, even when it's illegal. The government invokes states' secrets privilege, shuts down cases, and throws whistleblowers in prison if they attempt to expose anything at all that the government wants kept secret. And that's one of the, the, the key things here, the number of people that have this clearance. You know, inevitably, people say, "Oh, it would take you know these 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 theories of conspiracies—they can't be real. It would take so many people to cover them up." But they've got that many people working on these projects that that have signed to absolute secrecy, basically, and often they don't say anything until they become old, and and you know they they think they're going to get ill and die anyway, so they don't care. And that's not even getting to secret societies, which apparently, you know, that's a whole other ball game. And there's lots and lots and lots of people in secret societies as well who obviously, as the name will suggest, are secret. So, if this is all
1: hard to yeah. buy for people, just imagine how much you can buy with $50 billion, which is what is supposedly the intelligence agency budget for the country for the year. Uh, $600 billion defense budget, $150 billion budget for overseas military bases. I'm reading off your page here, but just... I mean, these are (laughs) these are numbers that somebody's coming up with. I mean (laughs) somebody so somebody even has some oversight as to where all these funds are going to even be able to add that up. So
0: yeah. I mean when when the the Pentagon had the first, as I understand it, the first kind of proper accounting of their budget ever in history recently. And, you know, that in itself is ridiculous. But basically, the, the, just after, the day before 9-11, Donald Rumsfeld announced, uh, the pen, I think it was the Pentagon, basically, oh, we've lost, I think it was $3 trillion, maybe it was 6 I forget now. And the Pentagon budget, yeah, we've just lost these trillions. We don't know where they are. We're going to have to do this massive project to uh, to figure out where the money's gone. And then some of the teams that were involved in working on that were actually in the towers and got, and got killed, as I understand it. Some of the corporations and groups, CIA groups and
1: things And they like had that. a lot of paperwork archives in Building Seven, which is a whole other conspiracy in itself, that Building Seven felt to begin with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the amount of money that goes into black budgets, that goes into all kinds of things that aren't recorded officially, is huge. And the fact that the the Pentagon has never even had a proper audit until recently shows that in the whole history of the American nation, they haven't really been taken seriously, or the where the money's going hasn't really been taken seriously. Let's put it like that. So. You know, enough of the money has been going into the public politicians pockets that they don't question anything and then the rest of it well we don't care about that It doesn't matter you know it's it's only it's only the nation's wealth but you know screw
1: it right and so much of this is right on the surface like you talked about the organization that was j s o c the president's supposed secret army well one thing that's not even secret is in 2012 the annual defense budget bill that they passed called the NDAA, National Defense Authorization Act, they love to piggyback extra things onto what they're calling budgets or whatever and (laughs) sneak bills in with secret components and compartments. And one of those compartments in the 2012 NDAA was a clause that said, the entire world is now a battlefield in the war on terror. 24-7, every part of earth is now considered to be at war. And so Regular laws no longer apply and wartime laws apply. And also that means the president has authorization to detain, interrogate, or execute any person in any country on earth, including the United States, whether or not they're a United States citizen at any time without telling anyone what they did or ever returning them or even giving a body back. So that's actually codified into law and has been since 2012. But I haven't heard anyone bring that up since a few people did bring it up as it was passing. And that's just, that's right out there in the open. And and that's not even a conspiracy.
0: I remember that and, and yeah, you're right. I haven't heard anyone mention it ever since then either. And I think for me, when I heard that and other things like it, I was just like, well, there's no point in even paying attention to what these people are doing anymore. They're they basically they've gone way over the line of trying to pretend they're actually doing anything that's real or or kind of you know in line with what they're meant to be doing. So basically I just have to write them off as being like a criminal gang and that's it. And they they're gonna say it doesn't matter what they say, they're, they're they're gonna do whatever they want anyway. So yeah, I mean maybe maybe that's it. Maybe a lot of people just think, like me and and they've just kind of realized something like that, whether it's fully conscious or unconscious, and they've basically just given up and they're like, well, yeah, all right. We'll we'll just cheer for the guy that builds the big wall. And uh, and <laughs> and that's the level of the engagement we'll have with the political system, basically, because you know it's like wrestling at this
1: point. Well they did a great it's job with it. the whole dialectic because everyone knows Hillary Clinton is a lieutenant in the Bush crime family syndicate, which is you know this connected to many secret societies and these uh secret government programs for running drugs and things like that. I mean, Arkansas was literally the headquarters for that. But you actually mentioned when we were talking about missing budgets and stolen billions, you brought up 9-11. And I thought if we could touch on Susan Lindauer's story real quick, because among the thousands of whistleblowers to the 9-11 event, I think it's worth getting in a little bit about her while we're still in the free hour so that we can make sure and mention that that event itself was foundational to many of the trauma-based mind control things that we're going to talk about later.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, just, I I forgot that you have the free hour and the non-free hour. So for the benefit of everybody maybe who isn't aware of what's going to be in the the rest of the session, there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff gradually getting through from nine eleven through to the government issues, eventually through to NASA and through to kind of Nazi infiltration and the space program and military ET bases, you know, you name it, is gonna go right off the edge of, of, of things at the end. But at the moment we're still with things which are on the surface and that anyone can check out. And and for example, Susan Lindau, she describes herself as a CIA agent, basically or asset I should say. And she at the time of nine eleven was working, I don't think exactly what her job was. Uh, ultimately, she was working very high up in the government and she ended up b- being involved with negotiations with Iraq. I think at the end, to do with the war and so on. Previously, I'm, I'm a bit confused about all this myself. I haven't listened to it for quite
1: oh, a can, while. I can recap her story real quick then and we can just talk on okay. the elements. Essentially, what, what sure. I gathered from looking into it after you sent me that whistleblower's article was that she was involved in the 9-11 strategy to create the pretense for war in Iraq, but unknowingly so compartmentalization again she was sent there to gather evidence that iraq had involvement in a potential plot to fly planes into buildings in the united states and for whatever reason the members of the iraqi government did not play ball with this they maybe they didn't get the memo from their secret society brothers or they just decided they didn't want to engage in this farce but she was not shown any evidence of this plot But she was supposed, she was told she was definitely going to find it. But in the process of looking for it, she realized when 9 11 itself happened that this was all staged um, because she had other people that she knew that came forward and gave her their pieces of the puzzle to let her know that things weren't as it seemed and that her role was initially supposed to be to help marshal the support to actually go to the war in Iraq, which they had to find other reasons to do because 9 11 didn't take as far as taking off. uh, to fight Saddam Hussein and all that, they were only able to get us into Afghanistan off of that particular false flag.
0: Okay, I mean, I've I've listened to her full speech about three times, but this is over a number of years and there's a lot of information in there. And it's, uh, I have definitely forgotten some of the details of that. So it's good that you you recap. Hopefully
1: I got Uh, it right, but it's something along those lines.
0: Essentially, I mean, I remember that that she effectively tried to, I mean, I'm just reading here from the Post, the US government detained her in a military base for a year. This was because she, I think she must have, I I don't remember her actually trying to challenge this stuff, but she must have done. I don't actually remember that part. But basically, they did try and silence her and put her in, arrested her and put her in a cell and tried to sort of drug her up effectively uh, to silence her. And it took a lot of work from, I think it was a, a boyfriend, a lawyer at the time, to actually challenge the court, and basically she said, "This was, this was George Bush and, and their team, basically trying to silence her specifically, as I remember." And apparently, in her own words, she only ever got out of there alive because the judge who heard the case basically wasn't corrupt somehow magically and looked at it and just said, "This is wrong. You know, you can't. We can't do this to this person." And so ever since then, she's been trying to tell the tell the story. So I've got like a, a bunch of bullet bullet points here, which are some of the things that she said. Mohammed Attar, an alleged hijacker on 9-11, was a CIA asset trained and actively supervised by the U.S. government. The pro-war cabal in the U.S. government actively helped a pre-existing terrorist hijacking plot the manufacture a pretext to go to war with Iraq, which is what you're saying. The world trade centres were wired for demolition using thermite in days prior to the attack to dramatically increase the results of the planes crashing into the towers which is also what the remote viewers the farsight institute actually and
1: they found thermite well. residue in the what little debris was allowed to be kept some people don't even realize that all the steel girders and all the debris was carted off to china within weeks of the uh, incident itself and very few people got to inspect it
0: yeah yeah i mean that, that thermite thing is a bit controversial as you can imagine there's lots of people that say no that's not that's not right they're not in there or it's something else but but definitely the iron and, and, and waste material that the then Dem- demol- demolished material definitely was carted off and removed from the scene, which is basically evidence from a crime when you get down to it. And they just, it was like, oh, no, we just get rid of it super quickly, like a massive, endless, like, line of giant trucks carting all this stuff away. They have just managed to whistle up out of nowhere. You know, I mean, even just achieving all the trucks would be quite a feat, and yet somehow they managed to do that very quickly. So, yeah, it looks very, very dodgy. Uh, even at the best, it looks very dodgy. It says the GPS signals in the vicinity of the planes were being boosted by a form of technology that made phone calls possible, suggesting perhaps an airborne form of help from the military. So there was an AWACS plane, I think it is, where they have the massive uh, circular... It's like a big 747 with a massive piece of technology on the back of it. It's like a big circular discus-shaped thing. And people actually... At the time, I remember people said, oh, we saw there was this white plane, this big white plane flying around near the Pentagon at the time, and, you know, we didn't know what it was, and then that went a bit quiet, um, and then people sort of focused in on it Said military people. So, oh, no, that's an AWACS plane. Yeah, why have you got this electrical, you know, warfare device flying around that could probably boost, you know, phone signals? People have pointed out how did these airline, how did people on the flights and the airline, people on the, on the flights in general, how did they make these calls to the ground when that's not actually possible? you know, above a certain height, mobile phones don't work. Uh, and this is, you know, proven over and over again. You've got an airline, uh, as another whistleblower, or she's kind of a whistleblower, whose name escapes me at the moment, who was an airline hostess who really did a lot of work into this and wrote a book on it, basically showing how a lot of the, the claims regarding all of this stuff are impossible, unless you've got something like what Susan's pointing to here, which is technology that actually makes these things work, unusually. So she says here a CIA handler received thirteen million dollars personally that was intended to be used to gain Iraqi cooperation during the nine eleven investigation so that was like a payoff. She knows a pilot who shot down one of the airliners who was in jail at the time of speaking so so this is interesting because there was this hackers i do you see that the, the, the hackers recently who who released a massive dump of data on nine eleven from they hacked a bunch of uh, lawyer offices and people like that and collected all of these notes directly relating to the cases behind the scenes that were meant to be secret. And they basically published them to the web, but encrypted, and they tried to blackmail the companies. So it wasn't like, you know, oh, we're hackers for the good of the world, because I know we're scumbags, and we're trying to get as much money as we can out of these people. But the longer they don't pay us the blackmail money, the more documents we're going to release to the world. Um, And the government moved to block them from most sites. They were on Steam for a while, and, uh, you know, so we got to see some of the data that was released by the Steam blockchain. And one of the documents in there that I saw related to, it was one of the only documents actually that was actually particularly interesting out of all of it. It said it was like an official insurance company document to do with one of the claims. And it said, what's the effect of you know, if this had happened, if that happened, you know, in other words, if what it was, was the, the various defendants in the cases were trying to apportion blame onto different people to so say that the insurance would go their way. So they were saying, oh, it's the airlines for, airlines for, or one group would say it's the airport's fault or whatever it was. And said, oh, well, if the airport people, the security people have done this, blah, 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 and this happened, this happened, then this plane could have been shot down. Although this, this plane could have been the result of military, gone down as a result of military action, like the one over Bakersfield did. So in I think it's Bakesfield is the right name, but basically they're saying, yes, in this official court document saying that one of the 9-11 airline planes was shot down by the military. And that is what people at the time concluded must have happened based on the evidence, but that was obviously not something that was admitted to in the mainstream narrative. And in fact, you had this movie... Uh, made about that whole event where they, his, you know, there's this famous line, let's roll as the pay, as the um, passengers fight back against the terrorists and stuff. That's the one they said the US military actually shot down. And none of that ever happened. It was all just propaganda. So what she's saying there fits in with that. And this was years before, you know, we had any other evidence of that stuff. So yeah, I didn't even realize she said that until I just reread that. That's pretty interesting.
1: Hey, we've gone a little past our point in time. It's been a blast chatting with you. I want you to be able to give your you know, plugs for things that you do where you want people to contact you and connect with you. And and if you're open for it, we'll definitely put it on the calendar to get a part two going because I think this was a really productive use of our time here. Cool, okay. And I haven't actually gone through material like this in such a deliberate way with a guest before. And it's something I'd like to do more of as my show evolves. And I appreciate you being sort of the guinea pig for this type of test run of a, a different structure of podcast where we have you know, actual material. It was good.
0: (laughs) Excellent. All right. Yeah. So um, as always, people can find me on uh, Eureka.org, which is my own site. It's ureka.org And I'm I'm updating that at the moment. We've now got audio video chat. So it's a social network and it's focused on healing, balancing and evolving in general. It's uncensored and it's free. So uh, it's kind of what a social network should be you can also find me on the steam network which is numerous different websites steaming.com steampig.com and so on and i believe you gave the link already so those are the main places you're going to see me
1: very good well thanks for talking to me man and anything you want to close with let people give people maybe a little bit of a positivity injection after all the muck that we've just (laughs) been traveling through
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, when I was very young, I realized, oh, maybe what happens if I focus on all the worst things first? Well, maybe if I do that and then I really solve them all, then all I have left is really awesome things. So that, that was basically my logic was that, you know, I can't really feel at peace and enjoy life while all this bad stuff's happening if i can fix it then i know that everything's going to be great and that's basically why i do it it's not because i'm obsessed with problems or negative or suffering or anything like that it's because i'm trying to solve them ultimately and and you need to look at the problems to know how to solve them and and if people look at all these subjects it may be that only once or twice in their life they get to make a choice that's different that as a result of learning all this stuff that but you might you know who knows you might save someone's life just by actually knowing ah oh, this you know some of the things we've been talking about so
1: Especially with the healthcare and medical stuff. I mean, I've been watching people die that I know, and it's hard to do because they won't listen sometimes to uh, the fact that there's alternatives. And then even there's a whole can of worms that the alternative health stuff isn't always what it seems either. So
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to go to the core principles, which is yourself doing your inner work, strengthening your connection to the universe, yourself source, God, whatever you want to call it, your higher self, spirit, th- that's the answer to most of this stuff. And, um, you know, that, that is more important than studying the conspiracies. But but what, as long as you're doing that, then when you look into the, the events of the world as well, you can have extra insight and it should help you.
1: Very well said. Well, I think we'll wrap this up then. Thanks for being with me, man. And everybody go check out your souls blogs and also sign up for Eureka and please send me a friend request there so I can know that you're on board. I'd love to see you guys surge into that that network. And thanks for being with me again. Like I said, you're a soul is a foundational staple of interverse. Now <laughs> we've had you on four times and now we've got plans for a part two for this whistleblower series. And you just let me know if you ever have, uh, if you ever need anything, man, I'm I'm happy to help. I'd love to share anything you need shared or if you have a, a cause that needs championing that I can get on board with or, or whatever. I, I appreciate our our online relationship we've formed over these years of doing some podcasts together. And I look forward to solving these problems together and with the audience.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Likewise. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to working more with people that I know online and uh, in the next, you know, in the coming future. So uh, definitely we'll, we'll think of something creative and awesome.
1: (laughs) Awesome, man. Thanks. And we'll see you later. Cheers. Got to do a feature with my brother to kill these creatures that we feed and
2: call them fiends and call them devils. Whatever you want is to know where you go. Faking God just not gonna solve a problem. Sorry mama, you need that mana. Know we plant seeds and give them water. We we'll heal our trauma cause no longer the beans that existed in. And we different things. prison kings and queens on the grip of wings. My dreams are realer than reality. I always know that life will challenge me. Changing me and how I use my being. I gotta stay back the see my projection of my thousand beans. I hold his prayers. Purity, all the stairs are so furiously, Chronos never but me, I was us up your bound to waste, it's what I to be, the best being I could never be, angels training me to their favorite deity, it's not competition, and this is unity, this is unity, and this is you and me, everything we do in peace, we live living dreams, this is unity, this is you and me. Everything we do in peace here, yeah, we live our dreams. This is unity, yeah, this is you and me. Everything yeah, we do in peace, we live our dreams. Yo, this is unity, yeah, this is it's day, mindful expansion. expansion. Peace, yeah, dreams. Awoken from a dream that I was projecting. Respect to my bro
1: Benji. Ben Happy Spring Equinox to you guys. I don't know about you, but this time of year makes me feel extra jazzed up and powerful. I love it when the Ram sun takes on in the sky, that beautiful Aries energy. And right here now on 321, as I record this outro, it is basically right at the equinox of the equinox because it is twilight. The sun's going down. I got out there and charged some crystals like a proper hippie and went on an awesome walk and just got a lot of sun, even did a little like breath work and meditation out there. I just want you all to know that because (laughs) I make myself think I'm so busy that I don't have time for this slowing down and enjoying my life sometimes. And damn it, I'm going to be 30 tomorrow, (laughs) which is exciting and all that. I'm grateful to everyone who helped me make it this far, but got to slow down and realize that it's not that worth it if I am kind of sick or stressed or whatever, and I think that like a lot of times in spring and this week of every year, I feel like, well, I turned a corner and something is giving me enough of a boost that all those practices that really get me charged up with that prana are firing a lot more consistently and synchronistically. Anyway, I just thought I'd share my exuberant enthusiasm for life with you guys. Pretty stoked. Probably never been happier. A lot of it has to do with this podcast journey. So I'll say, wow, really grateful to you for being part of it, because it would really not mean a whole lot without you, other than, you know, my own personal development to have these type of conversations. But if I didn't have the motivation of getting these conversations to you, I probably never even would have made contact with your soul, who for the fourth time has brought us huge levels of knowledge and extreme wisdom and centering, balancing, beautiful. <laughs> Awesome holistic approach to putting the heart back into our, our lives, no longer repressing the emotions, letting the mind and the heart be friends again instead of in this sort of dominator scenario. So, yeah, thank you. You're soul. Love having you on. You're a wonderful dude, wonderful human, wonderful soul. Looking forward to getting on to a whistleblower's part two because. We left a lot on the table. There's meat on them, Bones, as uh, Greg Carlwood likes to say of the Higher Side Chats. That's a good podcast. You should listen to that. Awesome conspiracy stuff. If you liked what we talked about here, you'll get the good, the bad, and the ugly for sure if you check out the Higher Side Chats, THC. Anyway, just like THC, I actually have a plus membership, which I've mentioned a hundred million times, but I got to mention again now. The PLUS membership with Interverse is that you get a two-hour show instead of one. I'd love to have more of you check that out. Just requires a $5 gift to me per month, and you'll get the gift of two-hour podcasts, one a week. I think it's a pretty good trade. Personally, a nice reciprocity there. And if you aren't into that, there's always the free show. But you're missing half the show, half the fun if you're not on PLUS. And this time, there was definitely a lot of information. Today in Plus we talked about recognizable patterns in false flag crisis events. Although we barely t- scratch the surface there, that could be its own episode in full. Uh, but you know, a lot of people in the past have already done a lot of work on this stuff. I'm just trying to point you in other people's direction. Uh, and not, I'm not looking to be the end all be all conspiracy guy source. But I'm going to talk about this stuff from now on and forever until it stops. But you know, it won't be the only thrust of the show. And plus, we also talked about the connection between AI and demonic entities and the potential for real life super soldier programs. We touched on that a little bit. We discussed Tragedy and Hope 101, a book book by a highly respected Ivy League historian who spills the beans about secret societies creating democracy as a con game, which I think this is a really important thing to realize. A lot of us have gotten so indoctrinated by the idea of democracy that we can't even imagine a different political system than that? Well, how about no political system? How about we just work things out with each other like human beings instead of needing rules that we refer to instead of our own conscience? (laughs) How about that? (laughs) But hey, I'm a dreamer. (laughs) The philosophical reasons democracy is antithetical to freedom, as I just kind of started to allude to We did get into that. So I would love to see some of you join just to hear those arguments because it's probably not something you're going to hear many places. We discussed the problem reaction solution method employed by social engineers. This is a really important thing to grok because it happens all the time. We're given a problem in the media and a reaction via the media and a solution from the government. Wow. It's amazing. We talked about the hardcore truth about modern education as an imagination-destroying system of conditioning. That is very important to me because I experienced it directly. In fact, I even still see a lot of the programming in myself and in others that went to the college I went to regarding mostly like about making everything racial. That was the big thing that they really pushed and programmed kids at the college I went to, University of Missouri. They really tried to de- segregate everything by race lines and make everyone really worked up about race. It's like anti-racism in a weird way where you basically can't question anything from the status quo at all without getting called a racist. And it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I love all those people I went to school with, but it's weird to talk to people sometimes that all you do is ask them questions and they react with uh You're a racist. I love all races of people for the record, and I've never said anything other than that. I have compared taxation and modern day society to a form of slavery on the spectrum of slavery, not identical to other forms of slavery as they have existed in the past, but certainly a coercive and mandatory system like ours isn't the true definition of freedom. I'll leave that at that. (laughs) More about Plus. Gosh, I'm really ranting. (laughs) What else did we talk about in Plus? The corporate use of archetypal symbolism to plant specific ideas in the consumer's consciousness using McDonald's and Burger King and ISIS as examples. Yeah, that's barely even close to everything we talked about in this episode. I want you to know, by the way, that the majority of these things that we did talk about, even if you didn't check out Plus, like by subscribing, you can find the notes to what was in Plus and see the articles we discussed and just go look at that. I'm cool with that. I want you to ask the questions and look into the stuff for yourself. I want you to talk to people about it that are ready to hear about it. I want us to get the hundredth monkey effect going on with this secret shadow government deal. <laughs> I want us to come out of the shadows of our own, in our own minds, and stop ruling from the shadows where. <laughs> We make ourselves do shit that's bad for us uh, and act like we don't. (laughs) I mean, isn't that what it is? That's the inner outer reflection, right? It can help you with the inner to know about the outer and vice versa. So let's look at it all holistically. And the real holistic view, to take it back to your soul, my favorite thing you said in the whole episode is the root of our problems In the whole fractal structure is the mind trying to deny the emotions or basically paraphrasing to control the heart. I would say that's like masculine suppressing the feminine. And then there's sort of like a crazy retribution that goes on where the feminine tries to hurt the masculine and they can, (laughs) and it goes back and forth. And both sides are now in some parts of the reality fractal, totally at war and totally unnecessary, because love is what it's all about. That's where we make new stuff. You know, hate destroys, love creates. So simple as that. But hey, this has been quite a rant. I want to get this episode produced and out to you. So I'll try to start working my way towards the end here. Just remember, you can sign up for plus. That would be the number one thing I'd love to get for my birthday is more plus memberships because not even for the money for me, because I'm doing great. I'm find, finding ways to make money without needing to make money off this podcast, which is awesome because I will just continue to make it better and better regardless of how many plus members I get. I am a conduit for the voice of spirit that's in you and you are receptacle for the energy that passes through me. So there you go. We're one thing. So as one thing, it'd be cool if some of you could link some of your thing up to my thing in the form of energy, whether that's to share the podcast and be like a share warrior, tell a lot of people about it, or it is to become a plus member. And it is my birthday. So do some of that stuff for the show. Make me a happy 30 year old. That Saturn return was gnarly, but got through it. (laughs) And you know, one thing that's kind of cool about this particular 30th birthday is that there was a super moon last night is a full moon in Libra. As the sun enters the sign of Aries. And as it turns out, my sun sign is Aries and my moon sign is Libra. So I'm literally, I'm literally in my exact power right here. And that's a very balanced, anti polarized type of energy. Because those two signs are on the opposite end of the Zodiac from each other. Anyway, I think it's a really cool time. (laughs) I think that 2019 is going to be a powerful year for all of us. And the other kind of funny thing about it being my birthday tomorrow is we did talk about a lot of secret societies. And one of the most important nefarious of the most nefarious of the nefarious is the Skull and Bones group, which we touched on them. And their lodge number is 322. And there's a lot of conjecture about why that number is important to them. I won't go into it, but (laughs) I'm born on an important occult day, which is kind of cool. And I like this type of birthday. It's right at the beginning of the springtime. It's right when that solar energy starts really rising. So I hope you guys are feeling it too. I want to also let you know that if you get in the show notes and check out the links, you can find Links to Wisdom Traders, who did the intro music that I play for this show, and the outro songs by Mindful Expansion, who I found a Costa Rica artist that I found really recently. I believe he's from Canada, from what I understand, but show that homie some love on SoundCloud. He is blessing lives with his words. <laughs> no doubt, like for real. I love hearing his stuff. I just found it and it's blowing my mind. So go show some love to dot org follow Mindful Expansion or Wisdom Traders, both on SoundCloud. Subscribe to Interverse on everything, everywhere, and become a Plus member and tell everybody about it and buy a (laughs) t-shirt and have yourself an awesome life till we talk next. And we will, because I've already got those episodes recorded and more on the calendar. We're going to keep going. Thanks for being with me. I love you all. I love myself. I love life. Wholeness and balanced vibrations, my friends.
2: To hit a target in this manner is to exercise the inner strength. Indeed, there are two kinds of strength. The outer strength is obvious. It fades with age and succumbs to sickness. Then there is the chief, the inner strength. Everyone possesses it too. But it is indeed much more difficult to develop. The inner strength lasts through every heat and every cold, through old age and beyond. With the pen, I create my beginning and end. Now let me begin again to send you into Zen. Just breathe and ascend. Let reality blend as the words mend your mind. Close your eyes, feel yourself aligned. Visualize the spine. What do you find? Feel the energy rise into your prime. Purified inside. One body, one rhyme. Yeah, one rhyme. Always in the right place at the right time. Sink with the divine. Connecting while I climb. Reaching back down, lifting others up. Yeah, that's what's up, ability. To respond to any given situation Immortal beyond and stillness Observation soul, communication Consideration For every living being Compassion For what I've been seeing Giving life a meaning This ain't me speaking Just a soul dreaming Let go and now I'm receiving Everything I've been perceiving yeah, I breathe in a no, riding on these waves, flowing in a stream, man, I'm flowing in a stream. Life ain't what it seems. Woke up from a dream now, I'm everything. Woke up from a dream now, I'm everything. Woke up from a dream now, I'm everything.
3: We're talking about knowledge that actually would be rather useful to the preservation of one's soul across the continuum and the chasm and all the other stuff that seeks to rip it apart. In the fourth dimension, the most difficult thing is to not allow your powers to actually consume you by the utilization of your powers in order to cause phenomena in the physical realm, in order to keep increasing your power and strength to battle these forces that have in themselves gotten started billions of years, even even further, before you even understood what was going on or understood what was going on. But at the same time, there's always an ideal as time goes on that one can unlock something that becomes even greater than what they have been able to achieve thus far. And that is actually still relevant to the individual because it will be their crucible. It will be their chamber that is responsible for trying to hold that force, you see? So if that force, meaning that in the alchemical formulation of the person's consciousness, they can actually become a container for the greatest force that's ever been revealed to this reality but they would still be responsible for containing it you see what i mean